as we, we've got two more lessons in the short letters of the New Testament. Uh, we're going to look at 3 John today, and then we've got one last one next week in Jude. So uh, we'll look. Today is 3 John. Um, in 1966, Sergio Leone, the famous director of many great spaghetti westerns, uh, a spaghetti western was a cheaply made western <clears throat> that, that was filmed in the deserts of Europe rather than the deserts of Arizona and Utah. Uh, uh, Leone created the classic movie, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Uh, it was the, the story of three men, Blondie, The Good, played by Clint Eastwood, uh, Angel Eyes, The Bad, uh, played by uh, Lee Van Cleef, and Tuco, The Ugly, played by Eli Wallace. Um, they were three men who were seeking this treasure that was buried in some remote cemetery. Uh, you may have seen the movie. Like, I, like all Sergio Leone movies, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly was filled with, with these long, drawn-out scenes uh, featuring many different angles of all the characters, uh, dramatic, long pauses. Uh, it took forever for a gunfight to ever happen. Uh, you just waited and you waited and you waited and you, you watched the gunfighter's eyes and you watched the sweat running down their face and you, you watched the circling buzzards uh, and the crowds on the side. And, and will you ever shoot, for goodness sakes? <laughs> that was a feature of uh, Leone uh, movies. Uh, now, I don't know how good Blondie was. Uh, he was mostly just good-looking, right? He was cool. He was the one played by Clint Eastwood. Uh, but Angel Eye, was, he, was, he was pretty bad. And certainly, uh, Tuco was no treasure to look at. Uh, if, if you like suspense and Western shootouts, you know, that was a fun movie to watch. Um, now, while Third John is not a spaghetti Western, uh, it does have three notable characters uh, and, and a great director or author. Um, uh, and, and it's a real-life story. It's not a cheaply made fictional Western. Uh, the author is the Apostle John. Uh, and he writes this short letter. It is, by the way, the shortest letter in the New Testament uh, that we, we could call it the good, the bad, and the true. We don't really know what they looked like, so we don't know if there was any ugly ones, but uh, we'll call the third guy the true. <clears throat> the good, the bad, and the true. Uh, third John is a personal letter from the Apostle John to a brother in Christ named Gaius. Uh, the good. He's the good. Uh, in, in the letter that uh, he, he, there he addresses a pretty crafty and scheming, a pretty bad guy, his name was Diotrephes, and we're going to call him the bad. And briefly, he speaks of a man named uh, Demetrius, who is spoken well of by all. We're going to call him the true. Uh, in this short letter of only 14 verses uh, is an image of real life among the Christians of the first century uh, and the challenges that they faced in seeking to serve Christ uh, where they were. It is a letter that could be written to a church today uh, and could be just as relevant 
to a church today, 2,000 years later. And that's why it's important for us to, to, to continue to read it and study it. As with 2 John, since it's just a short little letter, let's start by reading 3 John. The elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you're doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to, to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Well, let's start as John did with Gaius, the good, the good. John introduces himself as he did in, um, in, in the second John uh, as the elder and rather than an apostle of Jesus, just simply the elder. Perhaps, as we said with second John, maybe it was meant to be somewhat cryptic for any Roman officials that might intercept the letter, uh, as Roman persecution during that time was ramping up. Um, uh, we'll also see later that rather than saying the name Jesus, he just calls Jesus the name, perhaps for the same reason. Uh, the letter is addressed to a man named Gaius. Uh, John begins by speaking of, of two things that he's praying for, for Gaius there in verse 2. He's praying for his physical health and his spiritual health. Now, interestingly while, well, interestingly, while the New Testament writers speak a lot about prayer, their prayer for the people that they're writing to, you know, prayer for health is not always on their prayer list. Uh, most of the prayer topics of the New Testament writers are concerned with spiritual needs, uh, prayers that Christians will be faithful in their walk with Christ, that they will be bold and courageous uh, as they face opposition, that they will stay true to the truth. Now, John does pray for Gaius' health here. Uh, James, uh, in James chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, James speaks of calling the elders together to lay hands 
uh, on someone who's sick, to pray and anoint oil on, on them, asking for healing. You know, there are a few places in the New Testament where you're encouraged, we're encouraged to, to pray for people's health and for their physical needs. And so we should, we absolutely should do that. Um, but the vast majority of prayer offered by the New Testament writers is an appeal towards the spiritual health of Christians. Now, for example, Paul to the church at Corinth in, in, in 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 6, he writes, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Uh, Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans 1, 8, 8 through 10. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because of your faith, because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit, is preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. Jesus prayed for the apostles, and he asked that they be protected from the evil one, John 17, 15. And then Jesus prayed for all believers in John 17, 20, and 21. He said, my prayer is not for them alone, them being the apostles. My prayer is not for the apostles alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you, and you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Now, was Jesus concerned about our physical needs, the, the physical needs that you and I have? Of, of course he was. Sure, Jesus cared about physical needs, health, and, and the, the daily things we need. We think about his model prayer, right? Uh, where Jesus prayed that, we have, that God give us our daily bread. Uh, God has always had great concern for the poor, for the hungry. Uh, helping those who have physical needs is, is actually a sign that we are practicing the love of Jesus. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew 25, 40, whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done for me. So physical needs are very important to God, and we need to pray for them. But Jesus and other writers of the New Testament consistently made Prayer for spiritual needs, also a great priority. Now, now I mention this only because I know that, uh, and I'm talking to myself this morning, I know that for me, much of my prayer concerns uh, tend to be much more for the physical health needs uh, than spiritual health needs. Uh, it, it, if you have a prayer list, and, and many of you have one written down somewhere, maybe in your Bible, or maybe you've just got it in your head, um, pull that out. Uh, maybe not literally, but think about it. Think about what's on your prayer list right now. Uh, what's it mostly filled with? Uh, often mine is mostly physical concerns. Sometimes exclusively. That's all that's on there. Uh, with little or no prayer for any spiritual needs. Um, uh, of my of my own or the, of others you know again please understand me there is nothing wrong with praying for physical needs for physical health uh, john does here in in third john for gaius so so let's continue 
as we're doing, to lift up those physical needs to God. He wants us to do that. He wants us to do that. But are our prayer lists also filled with the spiritual needs of others? Um, the spiritual needs of our church here at Stony Brook. Uh, how, how often do we pray for our own spiritual walk with God, our, our own faithfulness, asking God to help us to be more faithful in our walk? The faithfulness of our fellow Christians as we serve God together. How often do we ask God to, to bless our spiritual health and our spiritual walk? So, uh, as we're jumping into to John, Third John, right off the bat, I want to challenge myself. Again, this is as much for me as anybody. I want to challenge myself and you to change that. Change that. If you don't already, and many of you probably are already, are already doing this but if you don't already along with the many physical needs uh, that we have on our prayer list let's make praying for the spiritual health of others of, of ourselves, of our church let's make that also a priority in our prayer life it was for the new testament writers and and it needs to be for us as well okay back to gaius the good Verse 3, it gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. You know, often the greatest joy, some of you who are teachers, and all of us, if we have children, we've been teachers, right? Uh, but others of you have been, maybe are teachers in the classroom. There's no greater joy for any teacher than to hear that that our students are actually practicing what we taught them and doing it well. Uh, we love that, don't we, as, as teachers? I, I love that scene in the movie Groundhog Day. Some of you have seen that movie. Uh, when the main character, Phil, uh, the one who keeps living the same day over and over and over and over again, he's playing the piano up on stage like a pro at the end of the movie. Uh, now, he had been taking piano lessons uh, during these days that he kept living over and over and over. Every day when he'd lived that day over, he would go to a local piano teacher and get his first lesson uh, uh, of, of that, of, of, uh, there for, by that teacher. Now, he had received during this time that he's living the same day over and over again, he had received many, many lessons uh, but to the piano teacher, it was just the first one. It was the first lesson he had ever had. Uh, as the days went by, Phil got better and better and better, and then he got pretty good at playing the piano. Uh, one, there's one scene where the, where the teacher says, so you've never played the piano before, huh? And, and he says, well, my dad was a piano mover, so... <clears throat> I love that scene, that, that line. To the teacher, each day was his very first lesson. So at the end of the movie, <clears throat> as he's playing this great jazz piece up on the stage, uh, the piano teacher proudly says to a friend, isn't he great? He's my student. <laughs> we love it when our students, whether it's our kids, or whether it's uh, someone we taught in a classroom, or... Uh, someone at work that we taught how to do something. We love it when they do well the things that we taught them, don't we? 
That's true for any teacher. It's especially true when we teach someone spiritual lessons. Lessons about Christ. Uh, lessons about our, our relationship with God. You know, nothing brings me more joy uh, than to see my two sons faithfully serving Christ in their lives and then seeing them teaching their children to faithfully serve Christ in their lives. And I like to think that, that uh, the, the, the lessons that Jackie and I taught them as they were growing up uh, helped with that in some way. And this, this just brings me joy. John had heard that Gaius had not just heard the teachings about Jesus, uh, but he was walking in it. He was living it out every day in his life. People were observing his life, and they could plainly see that Gaius was the real deal. You know, that he was practicing the lessons that John and others had taught him in his life. He didn't just talk the talk, he walked it. John found great joy in learning this, and he, and he encouraged Gaius in his letter. When we teach our kids uh, and others in our lives, uh, you know, we can teach them all kinds of things. We can teach them how to change a tire. Uh, we can teach them how to play the piano. We can teach them uh, how to cook. We can teach them how to use a computer. Uh, we can teach them how to play baseball. We can teach them how to set up a budget uh, to help them in life. And those are great. You know, we can, we can have pride when we, when we see that they can do that. Boy, look, look, he can change that tire in, in just a short amount of time, just like I taught him. Uh, we, we love that. But, but I hope that, that we have, if, if we could even have greater joy, tremendous joy, in our lives when our children or our grandchildren or a friend that we have uh, that we taught about Jesus begins to walk in their faith uh, because of the efforts that we gave in trying to teach them. You know, computers and baseball and budgets, man, those are great things and we need to learn them in life. But all of those things fade away. They don't last forever. When we teach someone about Jesus, the benefits last for eternity. And that's why they're so important. Let's continue with Gaius the Good. <clears throat> Verse 5, Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on the way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. So here, uh, here are some, is some real evidence. You know, we, he, we're talk, we, we've, we've heard him say, hey, you're walking in the faith. Here's some evidence that he's walking in the faith. Um, it, it, it seems that some strangers had come through there, uh, through that area, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. From the letter, you might conclude that they were like missionaries uh, uh, as they, it says that they went out from there for the sake of the name the sake of Jesus. Gaius had received these missionaries and, and had helped them in some way, perhaps maybe providing a place for them to stay or uh, some food to eat or some money uh, on their journey to, to support themselves. Uh, John recognizes that these missionaries did not need to seek help from the surrounding pagans uh, because they had the help that they needed. Um, they were free to preach the gospel uh, and they didn't have to get jobs on the side to provide their needs. Gaius helped take care of those needs. 
and help make that possible. And I love verse 8. Verse 8 says, We ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. You know, not everyone among us can be missionaries in Ghana or in Togo or, or in France, you know. And guess what? That's okay. It's okay that all of us can't be a missionary on a foreign field. But you know what? We can still be a part of their ministries, of the ministries of missionaries, and as we are here at Stony Brook. We can still work with them and support them through our monetary gifts, through our hospitality when they come and visit, through our, our regular prayers for their ministry. The Hostetters and the Thomases, both of which hopefully are going to be with us soon uh, on, on a furlough, you know, they're working hard on the mission field in Ghana and in France and in India. Uh, now, maybe we can't be there on the ground with them. It's just not possible. But we can still be a part of their ministry like Gaius was. Uh, uh, as they teach people in those countries, we can be a part of their ministries through the, this is the support that we give them in prayer and money and such. Gaius the good uh, brought great joy to John because of his faithfulness to the truth that he had been taught by John. But then John addresses another man that apparently was a part of that local church in that local area. His name was Diotrephes. We're going to call him Diotrephes the Bad. Diotrephes the Bad. Let's read about Diotrephes. Verse 9, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. Uh, so when I come, I will call attention to what he's doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. What was so bad about Diotrephes? Uh, well, right off the bat, we see that he, he was a, a selfish man who thought so much of himself that he refused to welcome an apostle of Jesus, John. Diotrephes could be the, the dictionary definition of a, of a bad church leader. Uh, if we had his picture, we could stick his picture right in there when you look up bad church leader. Um, he was a self-appointed leader. Uh, he was probably one of the early ruling elders uh, that began to appear in the early church at that time. Later, they were called bishops. Uh, the New, you know, the New Testament never distinguishes one elder to be the ruling elder of a congregation or the ruling elder of a local or regional area. That never occurs in the New Testament. Uh, church leadership in the New Testament is always, always a plurality of men, meaning two or more, in the local congregation. Their leadership role never extends beyond the local congregation. Each congregation is independent of all other congregations. Each congregation led by their very own elders. God never intended for the church to become a corporation of congregations led by a corporate hierarchy 
with one leader at the top. Uh, denominations led by regional and national leaders. God's design for his church in the New Testament is always local congregations led by elders. And that's it. Anything beyond that, no matter how well intended, uh, is outside of God's design for his church. Now, Diotrephes uh, did not have the authority to just decide to be the leader and then tell everybody what to do. Uh, he was outside of the teaching of the Apostle John, which is probably why he did not want to welcome John, because he knew what he was going to get from him. You know, that's probably why he was spreading malicious nonsense or gossiping about him. You know, got to knock him down before he can tell and, and expose him for what he's doing. But then John says in the letter, when I get there, don't worry, don't worry, I'm going to deal with that. I'm going to deal with that. Unlike Gaius, Diotrephes refused to, wel he refused to welcome the missionaries. Um, he probably knew that he would be opposed by them, too, uh, because they were walking in the truth. Uh, not only did he not welcome the missionaries, but he stopped others from welcoming the missionaries as well. Uh, thankfully, it didn't work with Gaius, uh, but apparently it did with others. Now, why would Diotrephes do that? Why would he prevent other people from having anything to do with the missionaries? You know, maybe he didn't want the other members to hear the truth from these missionaries uh, of what he was doing and how he was against God's truth. You know, you look at any cult today, uh, look at their doctrine, and one of the things that you discover about, about any cult is that all of them insist that their members never talk to, read about, or listen to any teaching that does not come from their official cult teaching. You know, that, that's one way you keep everybody in line. That's one way that uh, uh, you, you control people is you control the information that they have. Uh, and that's one thing that, that you can know. You need to be suspicious of a group if, if, if they refuse to allow their members to seek information outside of their group. Now, what are they afraid of, for goodness sakes? What are they, if they're the truth, if they're uh, from God, then what are they afraid of? Uh, if their teaching is true, it will be confirmed from both outside and inside the group. You know, one of the great things about the Bible uh, is that uh, it is regularly confirmed to be true outside of the Bible. Uh, many have tried through the ages to disprove God's word, but ultimately they fail because they soon discover both scriptural and secular evidence all point to the fact that God's word is true. God's word is accurate. God's word is reliable. We don't have to hide it. We don't have to keep people away from other information because it will be confirmed. If Diotrephes refused to welcome missionaries who taught the truth, he likely then welcomed anyone who was on board with him. In other words, he probably welcomed false teachers. Uh, false teachers like the one John wrote about in his second letter, like the Gnostics we talked about last time. Verse 11, dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. 
whether in the church or outside of it, uh, people who are involved in evil are naturally going to mingle with those who agree with them. That always happens, doesn't it? Diotrephes, the bad, is a good example of why it's so important that we follow the teachings of God's word, not of some leader. Uh, God designed the church exactly as he wanted it. Now, while we would never claim here at Stony Brook that we have it together and we've got it perfect, yeah, we, we, we got it exactly like it's supposed to be, uh, because I'm sure we don't have it exactly like it's supposed to be, but that's our goal here at Stony Brook. Uh, that's our goal, is to seek to be the church that's modeled after the church of the New Testament. That's our goal, and we, we regularly and constantly have to measure ourselves by that church to see uh, how close we are and to intentionally to intentionally on purpose go outside of that because of tradition or because of convenience or because that we think well we just have a better way i mean that's okay but this this way is better uh that would be against god's design we need to stay away from that well hopefully diatrophies was the exception in this church not the rule among the Christians of Gaius' church. Uh, for we see one more brief discussion and mention of our third character in John's letter, Demetrius, who we discover is not like Diotrephes, uh, but more like Gaius, who follows the truth. And we're going to call him Demetrius the true. The true. Let's look at uh, the one verse about him. Demetrius, verse 12. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone. And even by the truth itself, we also speak well of him. And you know that our testimony is true. You know, three things in that one little verse, three things uh, about Demetrius. First, he's well spoken of by others, uh, uh, both inside the church, and, and even though it doesn't say it, probably, likely outside the church too. People see him and they speak, well, he's a good guy. Demetrius, I mean, Demetrius, man, he's a, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. You know, uh, uh, that's a good thing uh, when people speak well of you, right? You know, it, it's never good when somebody says, Ugh, uh, you need to stay away from that guy. He's trouble. He's trouble. Uh, no, we love it when people say, love that guy. He's a good guy. And that's what people were saying. The second great thing about Demetrius is that, listen to this, even the truth speaks well of him. That's pretty cool. Even the truth speaks well of him. Demetrius is not just a great guy with a charming personality. Uh, he's a great guy who follows the truth. You know, a lot of corrupt leaders uh, or fa and false leaders are nice guys with charming personalities. I mean, that's one reason they, they have a following is because they're, they're nice guys. Perhaps... Uh, uh, Diotrephes was just that kind of guy. You know, maybe he had a, a good sense of humor and made people laugh. Maybe, maybe he had a really nice smile that swooned all the ladies. Maybe, maybe he had a really strong speaking voice. And just people were attracted to him. John is quick to point out that Demetrius is not just a nice guy, but he is one who follows the truth. He's a nice guy who follows the truth. And the third good thing about Demetrius is that John himself speaks well of him. You know, John knew him enough. We don't know how well he knew him, but he knew him enough to know that this guy could be trusted, uh, that he was a true follower 
of Jesus. If you're trying to figure out who to follow, you know, back, back in the first century, John makes it easy. Look, follow, follow the one that I trust. I'm an apostle of Jesus. Uh, you can trust my testimony. Uh, this, that's why you can know you, you should follow him. The good, the bad, and the true. All three of those characters can exist and do exist in the church today. Not necessarily Stony Brook, but in the church as a whole today. Uh, hopefully there's some good people in Stony Brook. Uh, uh, but they, they're all three still around today. Uh, and there's only one way to know the difference. Uh, by simply placing them alongside of the truth. Uh, that, that's the identifier right there. Place any, any leader or any person alongside the truth. Are they well spoken of, not by just people, but the truth? The truth, God's word. And if they are, embrace them. Embrace them. Join with them in ministry. You know, if not, if you lay them beside the truth, and boy, they're really mixed up uh, and heading in the wrong direction, try to teach them. Try to teach them. Maybe they've just been taught incorrectly in their life. Uh, try to show them God's de design. I can understand how you might have thought that, and that's what you were taught growing up, but, but let me show you God's word. Maybe try to help them see the truth. But if they're like uh, diatrophies, and they refuse, reject them. Reject them. Trust, truth, truth must prevail. That's most important. Truth must prevail. So we must protect it, we must teach it, we must walk in it, and let it testify against, uh, for us. So what are some take-homes that we can get from this little short letter in the New Testament, 3 John? First one is this, that the, the first thing I mentioned up front. Remember the challenge for our prayer life. Uh, as we pray for the physical health and the physical needs of people in our lives, um, Let's include and even make prominent in our prayer life the spiritual health of people. That, to ask God that he can strengthen our spiritual life and our walk with Christ so we can put ourselves beside God's word and, and, and we can be healthy. And pray for the spiritual help of others, for the spiritual help of this church as we move forward to serve Christ in our lives. So let's add that if we haven't already or make it more prominent in our prayer life, the spiritual health. Uh, of, of us and others and secondly again let's place our own life alongside God's word uh, and see how it measures up uh, does the truth speak well of us uh, our, our attitudes our behaviors our lifestyles our walk with Christ when we put our lives beside the, 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 the scriptures does it speak well of us uh, where might we need to make some adjustments? And I, and I know I need to make some adjustments. I bet you do too in certain areas. Uh, wh where we might need to make some adjustments. You know, let's, let's do that so that we look more and more and more like God's word and it can testify uh, uh, towards our lives. So that if John were to write a letter to, to you or to me like he did for Gaius, he would be able to express how much joy we bring to him as he sees us walking in the truth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for your love and your grace through Jesus. Now, Father, we thank you for, um, for 
the fact that we have hope in Jesus Christ. We thank you that um, when we put our faith in you, we can look to eternity and know that one day we're going to live there with you. I thank you for that promise. Uh, Lord, we do want to lift up the many health issues that, that are among our congregation and our loved ones and our families. Uh, you have the power to heal. Uh, you have the power to, to make us well. You have the power to get us through tough trials and, and, and situations in our lives and uh, to help us where we have a financial need or, or just a, a, a need for a job or just whatever situation in this physical world we live in, we, we, we lift those things up to you. But Lord, I, I also want to lift up uh, our spiritual health too. As the, the writers of the New Testament always did, Lord, may we be faithful in our walk to you. Uh, may we be as concerned about that as we are anything else. Um, uh, may we, let's, Lord, we pray for our children that they will walk in faith. We pray for our grandchildren that they will, that they will walk in faith, that we can teach them what they need to learn to know how to serve you. Uh, and then we can look at their lives and, 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 and find joy because we see them doing that. And so, Lord, help us to to just make that adjustment to our prayer life if we need to, to, to lift up the spiritual needs of ourselves and of others. So, Father, thank you for this time today. Thank you for this letter that, you, that your servant John wrote so long ago. Uh, and uh, we pray that uh, as we lay ourselves alongside the truth, it can speak well of, well of us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.